Father, we bless you for our gathering here today in your name. We bless you for your great love for us. We pray now that you would speak clearly to us about our lives and about who you are. Lord, whatever is from you may remain and bear fruit so that you might be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am Bob Fabie, Father Bob. Uh, I am the priest in residence here at Living Faith Anglican, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today and, and preach uh, the word. You've heard the, um, the parable. We're in these parable series, uh, which is fantastic, and uh, Peter's done a great job helping us along um, learning about what these parables mean and how to apply them to our lives. And I get the parable about the house on the rock. And I, I desperately want to talk about the three little pigs. Does anybody <laughs> want to do that? It's one of those, like, I, I got this, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's a wolf, and then just huff and puff. And then I was like, don't, don't do that. Um, my, my hope is that, that we'll be able to look at this passage in such a way that it, we kind of pull it apart, but then bring it back together to see what it means uh, for us and how we are going to go about living our lives for Christ and I, I, I want you to think about um, probably what you've seen plenty on the news. Uh, there's, a, there's a refugee crisis that's occurring in Europe. Uh, there's 10 million displaced people within the Ukraine right now. Um, and what that means is that there's people who have moved away from areas that are being bombed into areas that they feel like are safe. And further 3 million people are now living outside of the Ukraine, mostly women and children who have fled the country to try to be safe. And it's ugly, and it's sad, and it's heartbreaking. And this has been happening to other people who aren't white uh, all over the world. There's refugee crisis that we've experienced in Afghanistan, in Sudan, and other parts of the world. Um, this is taking front and center because it's happening with world powers, and it's causing a great deal of fear. And why does this matter? It's because refugees have a special place in God's heart. That's why it matters. Being, being a refugee is a key to the identity of the people of God. Wandering the desert and without a land in the Old Testament, and even us today, when we talk about live as strangers and foreigners, it's a central piece of who God wants us to be. And people who are refugees are looking for a place of safety and peace. So I want to look at this passage again and highlight a few things and try to um, help us to understand it maybe a little bit better. So Jesus is speaking. And this passage comes at the end of Matthew, uh, the first passage, uh, didactic passage in Matthew. I'll get to that in a minute. But he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and then this is the important part, and puts them into practice. It's like a man who built his house on the rock. Okay, this isn't uh, architecture 101. We know foundations are important, that kind of thing. But he says the rains came down, the streams rose, uh, and, the, and the winds blew. I remember, you guys maybe remember the children. You know, the rains came down and the floods came up. Do you know? I won't. I did anyways, though, didn't I? Just did that. Do you guys know that song? It's funny because what we, 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 we want to teach the children, but... But when you think about what a flood does and how 
god-awful and catastrophic they are. It's not something to be made light of. And Jesus is speaking and said, this thing, this thing happened to this house, but it was built on the rock. And so it made it through the rain and the floods and the wind. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and then this is the important part, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And what happens if you build your house on the sand? When it rains and when it floods, when the wind blows, what happens? It collapses. It doesn't, doesn't work. It falls apart. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught them as one who had authority and not as one of the teachers of the law. So there's something different happening here. And I want to use some of the biblical principles of interpretation that we all know, but I'm going to do it out loud anyways. Jesus, Luke records Jesus starting this passage with the word, therefore. And what is the question we ask when we see the word, therefore? What is the therefore? Therefore. So we're going to take a look at that. In the passage just before this, okay, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And here's the part. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we have, here's the word and obeys. Here's the word and doesn't obey. In the previous passage with the therefore, he says, the one who does the will of my father. And then get this. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles? And Jesus said, I never knew you. Away from me. You evildoers. I didn't think that prophesying and Demonic casting out was evil. I thought that when you prophesy and you're driving out demons and doing miracles was a good thing. And Jesus says they don't guarantee entrance to the kingdom of heaven. And now many people want to do these things when people find out I'm a priest. They're like, oh, you know, can you do like some magic? I'm like, yeah. Put a chicken wing in front of me. I'll make it disappear. Many people want to do these things, and they see them in signs of power and some display. And some think that they're just, they're just super cool, but they don't mean you know Jesus. Or better, they, that he knows you. It reminds me of a story in Acts chapter 19. There was a Jewish leader, his name was Sceva, and he had seven sons. And the sons were following their father's footsteps, but... They realized that Paul was doing some really amazing things in Jesus' name. So the sons of Sceva were walking around and they were trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name. And they encountered a man and he said, I know who Paul is and I know who Jesus is, but I don't know who you are. And he beat him. He beat him soundly. So that they fled out of the house naked and wounded, it says. Just because prophecy and exorcism and miracles happen doesn't mean entrance to the kingdom is guaranteed. According to Jesus, something else is needed. Now, Jesus says there's two people. One is wise, one is foolish. 
I want to look at the wise person first. It's the person who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. So what words is he talking about? Well, Matthew places this teaching at the end of the first major um, didactic or teaching section in Matthew. And there's five giant teaching sections that if you have red letters in your Bible, they have red letters, okay, where Jesus is speaking. And there's five of them in Matthew. And scholars and... Um, and uh, um, yeah, scholars are saying that what they believe is that uh, these represent the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. So Jewish people would rely on the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, as a way of forming who they were as a people group. And so, so scholars and theologians are saying these five passages set up like pillars for, for going forward and being the new people of God. So Matthew places this particular section right at the end of the first teaching section. And what he's, what he's doing is he, he's saying, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he's talking about from chapter 5 through chapter 7. So this teaching from 5 through 7 includes the Sermon on the Mount, which is about who is blessed and why they're blessed. And these words completely flipped the script on what the world says is a blessing and what isn't a blessing. Because Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Really? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful. The pure in heart. The peacemakers. Those who are persecuted for righteousness. That's who's blessed. Blessed are you when people insult you. That's, that, that's not fun. I've been insulted. I've been insulted for stupid things that I've done, which probably makes sense. But it says, blessed are you when you're insulted and people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things about you because of me. So I don't get to you know, cut somebody off in traffic and have them gesture wildly to me out the window and go, oh, what a bless. I'm blessed. Has to do with me following Jesus. He says, rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven for they persecuted the prophets the same way. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. He further says, you are salt. You're the salt of the earth. And salt is made for preservation. To preserve things and to give them flavor. And it it doesn't come from anywhere else. You're the salt of the earth. It comes out of the earth. And he says you're the light of the world. Like a city on the hill for others to be blessed by. You don't light a light and hide it. It's for you to see and others to know. And to see as well. And he reinterprets the law. And he says things like, well, you've heard it said this. But I say to you. And he says things like, be careful with your anger. Be careful. Be reconciled. Settle disputes quickly. He calls lust adultery. Don't commit adultery. He says, don't get divorced for any reason, which was their practice. Make oaths. Don't do it. 
Don't swear by things you shouldn't swear by. He says we should turn the other cheek and go the extra mile and give generously. Whoever hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So when Jesus says, therefore, it means a lot. It means a great deal. And it gets even harder. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love our enemies. In chapter 6, he tells people to give money and pray and fast in humility. He tells us not to worship money, especially if we don't have it. And he tells his followers not to worry. Any, any worriers in here? It gets even better, folks. He tells us not to judge other people. And I would add, including those whose houses have collapsed. He tells us to ask and to seek and to knock because God knows how to give good gifts. Do, others, do to others as you would have them do unto you. Enter through the narrow gate and watch out for false prophets. You will know them by their fruit. Jesus is literally redefining what it means to be God's people. He's redefining who is wise and who is blessed and who will enter the kingdom. There's a lot. And it was God's plan from the beginning to create a people who would represent this good God to the rest of the world. If you quickly look at the Old Testament, you can see this perspective because in Genesis 1 and 2, we, we see that our role as humans were placed in this creation that God has made as a representation of our maker, literally made in God's image so that we would represent, represent the creator to the world. And once Adam and Eve became refugees themselves, God works to act in this bent and broken world. The need for his image and representation becomes even more important. In Genesis 12, Abram leaves his country wandering to find a new place. After long years of slavery in Egypt, God delivers his people. We heard about it in Joshua. They wander in the desert for 40 years, literally building their tents on sand. Literally building their tents on sand, where every storm and wind and rain would buffet and wash them away. This identity as foreigners and refugees and sojourners dominates Israel's identity, even to today. Because of this, how they treated people was important. And especially how they treated people who were experiencing the same thing. It's critical to how the Lord calls them to act. In Exodus 22, it says, You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress them, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Leviticus 19, he says, When a sojourner joins with you in your land, you should do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Why? Because you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. 
And 20, Leviticus 25, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them. Help them as you would a foreigner or stranger so they can continue to live among you. Don't take interest of profit from them. You want them to be with you. Numbers 15, let there be one law for you and sojourners among you. Zechariah 7 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. and Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or poor. And let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. Finally, in Matthew 2, It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So even Jesus and his families were refugees. It's key to the identity of God's people to be a refugee. So why am I talking about foreigners and refugees? Because when Jesus talks about building a foundation on the rock or the sand, it would have struck a serious chord with the people who heard it. The Jews who were listening, the crowd and Matthew, they would have gone, whoa, wait a second. Because it's not just good practical advice that they would have known very well, but because they knew what it meant to live without a home. Their ancestors lived without a home. They knew what it was to have their home washed away. And they knew what it meant to live and long for something solid to put their feet on. So when Jesus says stuff like that, it strikes a deep chord. Nobody wants their home washed away. But you say that to a bunch of people who've never had one, it means something different. But also, it means, sorry, the therefore that Jesus refers to is all about how we live in this world and how we interact with those around us. We can't just hear the words of Jesus. We have to put them into practice in order to build a house on a solid foundation. But also to build a house that is big enough for others who have experienced loss, homelessness, flash flooding, Tsunamis and tragedy. The house on the rock is not just for us. It is for others as well. The house on the rock is not just for us. It is for others as well. The degree to which we put into practice Jesus' words are the degree to which others will find safety and refuge and learn to build their own houses on Jesus' words. I want to look at the foolish man for a moment. This is the one who heard Jesus but didn't put his words into practice. Jesus says, you're foolish if you hear my words and you don't do them. Well, it's really hard to build on rock. I mean, you ever, you ever tried to pound a nail into something like a rock? That's not easy. It's not easy to dig into stone 
Many people won't do it. Many have tried and failed. Many just simply won't and don't. Some don't know how. Some don't believe they can. And many just want to quit. Because it's hard. So what's our response to them? Well, I told you so. I mean, I told you, if you don't build your house on the rock, it's going to fall down. And look what happened. I told you so. Maybe one of my favorite things ever to hear somebody say. Well, I told you so. Didn't you know better? You must be stupid. I, I warned you. Could have avoided this. I knew it would happen. Maybe you've recognized some of those words falling from your own lips. It's not helpful ever. We're really good at shooting our wounded people. We're really good at that. I told you to just trust Jesus and you didn't, so there you go. When Christians fall from grace, we love to point fingers and tell them, you should have listened. That's what you get. Or maybe you've heard things like, well, I knew that person was fill in the blank. The sand is easy. It's easy to put things in sand. It's much faster. You just pop it in there and set it down. You know how I know that? Because I've done it. I've built much on the sand, believing that Jesus didn't really mean what he said. I mean, can't really mean what he said. That's way too hard. I mean, Jesus loves me. He really wouldn't let me fall. He's okay. If I don't really give all that I am, just give some. He'll be happy with that. He knows I can't possibly love my enemy. Um, that's for really holy people. That's not for me. That's, he knows I can't do that. And because he knows and he, he loves me, everything's going to be okay. Wink, wink. He knows we're all sinners. This is, my, this is one of my favorite things that people say to me. that On my good days, I, I'm gracious. On my bad days, I say something. Well, we're just sinners. We're all just trying. No, you're not. Knock it off. Don't use that as an excuse to keep doing what you're doing that you know is wrong. I don't want to hear it. It's that kind of thinking that's gotten me into all kinds of trouble. And if you're honest, you've probably built on the sand too. You've winked at a secret sin you've harbored. Well, God understands. Maybe it's around hatred or bitterness. And you've slowly fed and watered that weed. Well, God understands. You just kept doing it. Or maybe you've worshipped money. Or maybe you've nurtured your anger. But that isn't the role we're supposed to play. Especially in this world 
And it certainly isn't the position we're supposed to take as people on the rock. We're a people who get to be about the good news. What is the good news? That you are desperately loved by God. You are loved with an unmeasurable love. We're to live the good news, to live as if we are people who are loved and people who receive the grace and mercy of God. And we get to live as if there is a God who absolutely loves his creation, which includes those around us. He loves us so much that he would die for it. And he loves us so much that he would leave his Holy Spirit so that we may be able to re-present him to a world so that there might be hope with all the shifting sand and uncertain foundations. You see, when we choose to forgive, we aren't just forgiving for ourselves. We're also doing it for the benefit for those who need refuge. Maybe they need refuge from their own bitterness and their own unforgiveness. Maybe the storms have come and they need a place to land. So when we forgive, we create room for them who need forgiveness and who are swallowed by their own bitterness. When we choose not to judge and take Jesus' role for our own, we provide a place for someone who feels judged. We get to love them and care for them. We become people of grace and mercy that we so desperately need ourselves. We actually give away what we say we need. And when we choose to reconcile instead of anger and bitterness, we show the way of peace for those who are lost in their pain. Our house on the rock is like a lighthouse in a storm. It's warning people of danger, but it's also showing them the way and welcoming them when things fall apart. You've probably seen videos where there's a flood and somebody's like, over here, just make it over here. And they got their hands out and they're saying, come over here. It's safe. It's dry. It's warm. You won't die over here. That's us. That's us. We're we're on the rock. Come this way. So it may be time for you to rebuild this morning. You may be building your house on the sand and its foundation isn't secure. And I don't know. I I have no way of knowing what you're doing at home. What's going on in your heart or in your head. You may be building your house in a place that isn't secure at all. And maybe you're only thinking of yourself. And what you can get. Maybe you think this life is just about trying to get to heaven. And it isn't. It's so much more. It's about living in such a way that we exemplify the kingdom of God and experience the kingdom of God in the here and now. And so that others could see us and participate in that thing and be caught up and then build their own houses that have room for other people to build on the rock. It's time for a new blueprint. 
or maybe a new construction project. And maybe you've got a foundation that has a little bit on the sand, a little bit on the rock. Well, there's a really famous guy named Abraham Lincoln who quoted a really famous guy named Jesus. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's time to rebuild. And it's not just for us. It's so that other people have a place of refuge and safety. God intends for us to represent his goodness to a broken world by building a house on Jesus' words. God doesn't leave us and say, good luck. Hope you have fun with that. He provides his spirit to work in and through us. So we're not on our own here. James, Jesus' brother, I mean, imagine being Jesus' brother for just 30 seconds. Be brutal. You know what he says? He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, what did Jesus say? The wise man builds his house on the rock. How, how do I get wisdom? Well, James, Jesus' brother, says this. If any of you lack, asks, lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Ask God for wisdom. And it's the God who gives generously, not begrudgingly, to all without finding fault. God says, you want wisdom? You got it. I've got buckets, and I'll pour it out on you. I would love to do that. He's not sitting there saying, what you did the last time you asked for wisdom, right? He's not saying, look, I'm not doing this again. He says, oh, I'd love to. I would love to pour out wisdom upon you. James says, ask, and it'll be given. So may our lives individually and our lives together as living faith be built on the rock. May we provide shelter for the refugee. And may we not shoot our own who make mistakes. May we provide a place for those who need to learn how to build our house on a solid foundation of Jesus and his words. Amen.